the Vietnamese people, they're very family-oriented, and right now they're grieving as a nation. And so how is it that this particular area of the world became such a hotbed of people wanting to escape, and then this is their choice? Well, you mentioned some of the points at the opening uh, about uh, looking for better opportunities abroad. And the main driver is, of course, uh, economic. Mm-hmm. But then you have other factors which are uh, could be abandonment. And they, these people are vulnerable. They were abandoned by families uh, and so on. So they may be young and vulnerable street people, uh, you could call them. Um, there are also other issues. There was a natural, dis- uh, not a natural disaster, but a man-made disaster on the coast in uh, where one of these provinces are. A Taiwanese company let uh, some effluent go into the sea and it killed all of the uh, the fish in that area. So the choices that people have in this region are they work on the farm or they work in the tourism industry on the coast or in fishing. And when you take away the fish, you kill mm-hmm. all the fish, uh, it also kills the tourism because tourists are not going to come and swim in a sea that's contaminated. So the other choice is they work on the farm. And of course, uh, GDP in Vietnam per capita is about uh, $2,500. When I got to Vietnam seven years ago, it was about 1200 So it has doubled in six or seven years. But in this area of Vietnam where these people are alleged to have come from, uh, they're economically uh, deprived. Okay, and yet everyone kind of seems to know uh, in the UK about this very dirty little modern day, you know, slave. They know about it, and and now it's been thrust in the spotlight. So we're talking about it, but how did it fall under the radar for so long? Well, that's a, that's a good point, Alex, because this was it, it is well known. So uh, David Cameron, the former uh, PM, he went to Vietnam in 2015 in the summer of 2015. I was there, and. He spoke with the Vietnamese government and he brought it up with the government and he said, look, this is a serious issue. The conclusion was, okay, let's set up a commission to investigate it. Mm -hmm. So by the end of December uh, 2015, or by the end of 2015, they set up this commission of uh, both governments to work on this. And in 2017, they published a very, very detailed report. And all of the facts were in there, including interviews with people that uh, were caught and sent back to Vietnam or people who went back to Vietnam voluntarily. And what came out in those uh, interviews is is quite startling. And in Mm -hmm. that investigation, it turns out that one of the push factors to go out of Vietnam is not only economic, but the government actually owns three quarters of the uh, employment or migration uh, agencies. So these are the agencies that focus on uh, getting people to go abroad and getting them jobs. So of the 200 that were in Vietnam in uh, in 2015, the government uh, managed or were involved in 150 of those. So in a way, the government are actually legitimizing the process. Well, complicit, it sounds like. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And in the interviews during that two-year investigation, what uh, what people said is that some of these agencies that are under the government control actually were bad actors. So they didn't get paid. Uh, the job wasn't there, and they were overcharged. Now, that's not saying that these agencies were directly involved in uh, in the smuggling and trafficking, but the the report shows that ninety percent, almost ninety percent, of the eighty thousand people that went abroad, so seventy two thousand, uh, actually were managed through the government agencies, and it's supposed to bring in about three hundred million dollars a year to the Vietnamese government. That's substantial. Well, right. And so what happens from here on out? Because I don't think they can ignore it now. I mean, Al Jazeera also did kind of an in-depth investigation into this, you know, well-known but not talked about modern slave trade. So they were like, well, we, we did this report, we exposed it, nothing happened. Now the world is watching. So it's not just one network or one story. What happens now? 
So I think the, the government needs to investigate this for sure. And there has been a lot of subsequent investigations. So when people were caught in, uh, in, in the UK, especially the, the young people that are under 18, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the, the complaints or claims that were made was that my family was in debt back home. And if we don't go and, and we don't work, uh, they'll cause trouble. There could be uh, uh, debts in the family or, or theft or violence and so on. So there's this threat hanging over them. And Vietnamese are very, very family oriented. They will work very, very hard and go overseas if it means they can bring back money to pay the loan sharks, uh, help the family get medicine for uh, people that are sick, and also to pay for education for their younger siblings. And these are very important things. And if uh, if you look at the remittances, mm-hmm. Vietnam is actually in the top 10 in the world, about 12 billion plus, probably closer to 13 billion now, comes back annually in remittances from the 500,000 Vietnamese that are overseas. And that's about 8% of Vietnamese GDP. So that's mm-hmm. a significant amount of money tied up in that process. It's crazy. Uh, and then you think, well, is it happening here? And you think, well, no, because we, we are further away, but very much trafficking of people. We hear about it in, let's say, Ontario or Canada as a sex trafficking of women, but certainly the issue of migrants coming across. There has to be, uh, I would think, something like this going on in North America. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have a big Vietnamese community in North America, but uh, it's not only with Vietnamese, you have it with all nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I go back to Vietnam just uh, just uh, briefly, part of the problem is that somebody may willingly uh, pay to be smuggled. Now, smuggling is an offense against a state, so they're smuggling into a country. Mm-hmm. But then during the journey, which can take a year or longer, they go through various cycles of being smuggled and being trafficked. So right. in this case, they may be smuggled out of Vietnam into China and then organized crime takes over there in China. They may get fake uh, identification, but they may be trafficked for three months in uh, in a brothel for prostitution. Yeah, if you're a woman or a man, it depends on where you go. You exactly. Know. So a man could be on a farm, uh, could be in the food industry. They could even be on fishing boats. So this is why we look at it in the, in the food sector as well, because these uh, trafficked uh, uh, victims trafficking victims, they're also being used in the food chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, I, I, you raise an interesting point. It's not like they get on these, um, into these containers and get shipped right across. They go from point to point to point all over different places in Europe or all over the place to kind of do this serendipitous route not to get caught. But you're right, it takes a very long time. That, that's right. In fact, uh, in interviews that uh, this commission did, they found out that there are two or three levels of service. The first one is actually a premium, which is the $50,000. Right. And then they fly from point to point and they take trains and they get hotels. But then there's a service underneath that, which is the economy. And sometimes there's a third one called air, mm-hmm. which is uh, a play on, you know, you literally get out, get nothing and you're out in the air. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the desperation drives the people to go abroad. And again, one of the underestimated issues here is the loan sharking in Vietnam. And in one of these regions where these people uh, come from, uh, nearly 90% of indigenous people, minority groups, uh, they actually uh, borrow money from loan sharks. And so they put themselves then in further danger. Absolutely, they put themselves in danger. So one of the subsequent reports and investigations that the UK government did based on the people that they apprehended, the people that they talked to, 
They said the fear of loan sharks back in Vietnam was a significant issue. And then they looked to uh, to get full access to uh, to the UK by saying they couldn't go back for fear of the loan sharks. Now, in, in research that was done in Vietnam between 2010 and 2014, they linked more than 40 murders to loan sharking. Mm-hmm. In Ho Chi Minh City, there's allegedly about three, 4,000 uh, shops that you can go into, like pawn shops, which are fronting for loan sharks. So in your estimate, is this going to stop? I mean, Vietnam, now that they're in a state really of grieving, are they going to stop or is the desperation so much that they just, it's worth the risk? I, I think they can stop. I think there's a lot of people that are now in transit. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, the Catholic priests that was interviewed recently, he said in his area, there's about 100 people in transit. So these are the people that are vulnerable. And I, I think two things need to happen. The first, there needs to be a greater awareness in Vietnam, especially with these people who are uneducated Mm -hmm. and uh, low-skilled workers. They all have access, ironically, in Vietnam to social media. So social media is a very powerful mechanism to reach out. Mm -hmm. But two things need to happen. On the, the, the push side out of Vietnam, the government needs to take more responsibility because if they own the uh, agencies that are involved in some levels of this, they need to take responsibility. And I can imagine that the government would monitor the safe arrival of a, uh, an employee in a new country and check with them on a regular basis if the contract is being executed properly right. and if they're safe. The second big thing that needs to occur is, of course, it's supply and demand, right? If there's no demand, the supply will whittle down. So Vietnamese people that are living abroad need to take some responsibility here. Because in the interviews, again, the people said that, look, I have family and friends in the UK. I want to go over there. They'll guarantee me a job. And in the interviews, that's exactly what they said. I can run errands for my Vietnamese friends. I can work in the nail shop or I can work in a Vietnamese restaurant. But unfortunately, a lot of them are trafficked into to drug jobs, so managing and working on cannabis farms in the UK, which are, of course, illegal. And uh, all sorts of uh, smuggling, again, turns into trafficking and vice versa. And in some cases, it's slave labor. Well, now that the world is watching, John, maybe, just maybe, we start to end what is obviously a very brutal, brutal practice. I appreciate you coming in. No problem. I I appreciate it. The Vietnamese people deserve better. And I think uh, the world, as you said, uh, is awake now. We need to take action. We have all the reports. The analysis are done. We know what's happening. We know who's involved. Let's take action.